Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. Hello, ladies. How are we all doing in our confinement? <laughs> uh, isolated. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't want to complain because we are we are fine. I'm just, um, you know, it's just stressful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's anxiety provoking because there's no... You just don't know. I mean, I've I have been in now for over two weeks, and yeah. you know, I always worked from home, so I don't feel any different in that sense. I didn't have to adapt to any new techniques, um, but it's just that now when I'm done working, I can't socialize. I'm isolated. I can't go out with my friends. I can't go out to dinner. Um, although I do take walks in the neighborhood here with friends and we stand six feet apart or we walk six feet apart. And if anyone gets too close, the person behind yells, you're too close, you're too close. And uh, so we've been doing that, like good three mile walks in the morning. Oh, that's nice. We've been doing a lot of dog walking. That's our your poor dog thing. And I don't all know. these our... dogs are exhausted. <laughs> She's so tired. It's actually hilarious. It's like we've totally worn her out. Yeah, you. She like looked over at me like, what? <laughs> You're talking She's also about starving. Me. She's so hungry because I think we've Aww. just increased her calorie use. <laughs> like, she's so hungry. Yeah, Andrea, you always used to post lots of pictures of being with your friends. My life has not changed much at all. Like, I just didn't go out much. But the big difference for me is that I'm not alone all day anymore. Like, I used to love everybody going off to school and work, and then I would have solitude and that's the change for me. Everybody's here all that the time. That has to be so hard to have everyone in the house with you. Oh, it's, it's so, so weird. It's just weird. It's so hard. I said to my husband the other day, because my daughter's leaving for college in the fall, I'm really not going to have that empty nest thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is really like, good preparation. <laughs> like, bye. Yep. Oy. All right. Well, on the show today, we have someone... Um, awesome on to help us get through the food part of our quarantine and our pantries and what it means to have a pantry staple and what it means to cook every day. We have Melissa Clark on. She is a columnist at the New York Times food section. She is a cookbook author, most recently with her new book, Dinner in French, um, and also my favorite Instant Pot cookbook, dinner in an instant yes i have sent that to so many people i have sent it I literally every time someone buys an instant pot i'm like here you go <laughs> get yourself some good food um so we have melissa on the show today we are really excited to have melissa on she's a fellow brooklynite along with amy and we are going to have a great conversation about what you can and should be cooking during this time why you shouldn't be intimidated to cook um and also ways to make it not get repetitive and kind of a drag. And we'll talk a little bit about Passover and a little bit about her new book too. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Melissa Clark. We are back with Melissa Clark, food columnist for the New York Times and cookbook author. Many of our favorite cookbooks, I should add, that we've mentioned <laughs> on the show before. Melissa, we are so excited to have you on the show today. I am so excited to be here. Um, I have to say that um, I I'm kind of a recipe snob <laughs> in that I find the people whose recipes actually work <laughs> and that I'm very hard on the people who don't because I find that just because people can put out a recipe, it doesn't mean they've tested it. It's for real. It works. And your recipes always, always, always work. How is that? I mean, what do you do? <laughs> I'm not I, that's true. I test and I test and I retest. I test them so many times. 
Um, and you know, it's so I test the recipe many times and I get it to the point where I think it's pretty much as good as it could be. I mean, I always say that if I didn't have deadlines, I'd probably keep testing forever. Because I'm <laughs> like, but you know, at some point, you know, my editor's like, um, so can I have that recipe? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, another thing is I've tried, I've been trying over the years to improve the way I write recipes. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And I'm trying to get better all the time. I mean, I think I, I, I think I do a pretty good job. But you know, what's been really helpful is at NYT Cooking, we have these notes you know, they're like comments, mm -hmm. basically. And I read what people say. And I, it does, like, the, the questions that come up do make me a better recipe writer because I'm really thinking about, well, what do people need to know at what step? Or what can I put in that I take for granted that maybe a home cook who hasn't made this dish before might not? So I'm trying, it's a combination of testing the recipe a lot and then also being really careful when I write it up. So I think like at this point in whatever we're calling this self-isolation, quarantine, pause, wherever you are in the country, there are a lot of people who are maybe cooking for the first time. Certainly in New York, this is true, where we are a land of takeout and delivery. Um, and, you know, we were joking before we came on, like people store books in their ovens, shoes in their <laughs> ovens. You right. know? I was imagining like smoke just billowing out of apartments as people <laughs> turned on their oven for the first time. and. You know, you wrote a great whole like section two weeks ago in the New York Times on how to use pantry staples. And I really did have friends email me saying, what's a pantry staple? Wow. Like, what does that even mean? Right, and, right. Um, you know, and I literally have friends who don't know how to boil water. Like they put the pasta in the pot with the cold water and turn it on. So. <laughs> well, I mean, that'll get you there eventually. <laughs> it will. It'll be soggy, but you'll get there. Um like, let's pretend that this is just like brand new territory. And maybe you even feel like something like the New York Times would be very intimidating um, as a place to find recipes. How, what is a pantry staple? Like, what would be your basics for people to have on hand that they really could cook well? Well, I mean, I do think, you know, if you, I, I do agree with you that um, people are cooking for the first time three meals a day every day. I mean, even people who love to cook love to cook once in a while sometimes. You know, they're not necessarily making their themselves and possibly their whole families three meals a day every day. So like even me, I, I've never done that for this long a time. So it's different. I mean, I do think that this is a different way of cooking and relating to food than most people are useful, whether they love to cook or whether they don't love to cook. Um, I think everyone's going to come out at the end of it being better cooks, which is great. Um, and I hope that people keep cooking, you know, when we go back to normal life, because it, I really think that feeding yourself is just one of the best things you can do, you know, emotionally and also for your body. Um, that said, though, what is a pantry staple, right? What do you need to have in your pantry? A pantry staple is anything that's non-perishable that you like to eat. So it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, my pantry might look different from your pantry. But the idea is that it will stay down there and it, you, you can just leave it in the back of your cupboards and you can forget about it if you want for months and months. And then when you're hungry and there's nothing in the house for dinner, you pull out your pantry staple and you're like, ah, okay, I got this. I got my can of chickpeas. I have my, my box of pasta or I have my bag of rice. Like whatever your pantry staples are, they're there for you when you're hungry and when you haven't had a chance to go shopping. Or in times like this, when you don't want to go shopping because you don't want to, you know, expose yourself potentially. So that's a pantry staple. Um, 
for in my house, we have um, a lot of pasta, a lot of rice, a lot of beans, and then we have a lot of canned fish <laughs> because I love anchovies and tuna and sardines. And um, I, you know, being without them makes me terrified. So we have that stocked up. And then there are vegetables like lawn keeping vegetables um, called pantry vegetables, garlic, onions, um, lemons in the fridge keep for months. Um, but really garlic is my number one thing. That's another, I always have garlic on hand. If I have garlic and a box of pasta and some olive oil, I'm good. Like I am totally good. Yeah. I think people don't realize, um, how it can be very simple. Like, I think that's what intimidates people about cooking is this idea that maybe they've watched a lot of food network (laughs) where everything, you know, and, and so all of a sudden it looks like it's a, a race, but B takes a million things and you have to sear and you have to do this. And it, it, just putting the pasta in the water or having something like anchovies, you're the whole reason I cook with anchovies all the time, um, feeling like, oh, I don't like anchovies, but realizing that that's just, they dissolve and it just adds something. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, that's, something. you know, everybody, it's like you develop your like secret little things that you do. The more you cook, the more you kind of develop those like things. Like, so for me, I love anchovies and you know, my daughter thinks she doesn't like anchovies, but she doesn't always know that they're there. <laughs> I mean, not that I, I, I don't, I don't lie. Like if she asked me straight out, mommy, is there anchovies in this? I would tell her yes. But we have this recipe. Okay. This is something that we, this is a total pantry staple recipe we do all the time. It's pasta with what Dahlia, my daughter calls crunchy garlicky breadcrumbs. And they mm. are crunchy and they are garlicky. And maybe they have a few anchovies melted in there that nobody knows about. Yes, they do. She eats them by the spoonful. And to make them, you just heat some olive oil in a pan. You add some minced garlic and some chopped up anchovies and the anchovies dissolve. And then you throw in your breadcrumbs and you saute the breadcrumbs with a pinch of salt until they are nice and crisp. It takes like five minutes. That's it. It is so simple and so delicious. I feel like this is a question that's almost offensive since there are two anchovy lovers here, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm a vegetarian. And whenever I make a recipe that has anchovies, I can tell it's missing something. What could I put in there instead? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it is. It's because it's that umami thing. Um, capers if for the salt. Okay. The capers, you know, chopped up capers, but they're not going to give you that umami tang, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think um, I've heard that coconut amino acids, have you ever cooked with those? No. Okay. So apparently coconut amino acids are what people use instead of fish sauce. Oh. Um, you could try it. I've never used them, but um, also soy sauce has that like umami thing going on. Okay. Thank you. So very selfish question, but this comes up a lot in my house because my husband loves anchovies and he's always sending me recipes that have them in them. So I would try, I would try the coconut aminos and just see, um, I think Bragg's makes them maybe. Oh, you know what else? Nutritional yeast. Nooch. I love that. That is great for umami. Okay. Now we're going to like cause a run on those things, Amy. I know. (laughs) Yeah, but see, I'm the one who posts this episode, so I'm going to make sure that I've ordered mine before I post it. (laughs) Before it goes off. Exactly. Get your nutritional yeast and your coconut aminos in. (laughs) So I am at a little bit of a disadvantage because Amy's a really good cook. Rebecca cooks a lot and watches cooking shows, and I do neither. So like if you say just saute this, chop this, do this, brown this – those to me seem overwhelming right there. Like if you said to me, oh, your pantry is filled with staples. You could make five meals out of what you have right here. 
To me, I need to be on one of those shows that basically says, I have this, 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 and this. Please give me a recipe so I know how to put them together. And I think for a lot of people, they're kind of um, challenged in, in ways to combine ingredients that they're not used to combining and cooking in a way um, that they're not used to cooking every night. I'm really simple. I take salmon, I put something on it, I put it in my broiler oven, and I roast vegetables. That's it. Yeah, but that's you're feeding yourself and you're cooking from scratch. So kudos to you. Yes, that's amazing. that I can do. <laughs> yeah. That I can do. <laughs> I, yeah, so I mean, I think... Um, Okay, I do think that now, since we all are at home and we are all cooking more than ever, you know, you have the basics. Like, you can do those things. Now is the time to, like, add one thing that you're not comfortable with. You know, look up a new recipe. Um, you, if you have a pantry item that you're not sure how to use or you've always used in the same way, like, okay, you always do the same thing to your chickpeas, now is the time to say, well, let me try something different. Um Added bonus, we're just feeding our family, so it's not like we're having guests over, so let's <laughs> mess it up. <laughs> yeah, if they don't like it, guess what? They're that's serious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is that is how we that's how we roll. If you don't like it, there's, there's always toast. peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well that's that's true. I mean I'm really good with the fresh vegetables, you know, but once you once you start throwing in something else into that mix is when I kind of get overwhelmed. But I think that um I think that starting slow is a really good idea and just trying one new thing because I have a huge pantry filled with all these staples that are going to last for years now. <laughs> Did you stock up and now you're like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> exactly. One of the things that we've been doing at the Times, which is a new thing for us. So at the New York Times, you know, I have my column. I write it once a week. But since the um, social distancing, whatever we're going to call it, stay, since we've all decided that we need to stay at home, right? I have been publishing a pantry recipe every day. And it is a talk-through recipe. So I do say things like just chop or saute. You know, you do have to have some basis of cooking. But they are easy recipes that use pantry staples. And I'm trying to give people options that maybe they didn't think of. So I did a... Um, I did a lentil and rice recipe yesterday that's based on a mujadra, which is a Lebanese um, and actually a Middle Eastern, you know, more than Lebanese, a Middle Eastern dish of um, lentils and rice and fried onions. And this is like you basically you need four ingredients to make this dish. I mean, you can use, you know, you can add I added some spices, but you don't even need to. It's rice, it's lentils, it's water and salt and olive oil and onions. And that's it. And I think that we all, I mean, so many of us have those things in our pantries, but maybe we didn't think to combine it just like this. So I'm trying to do that every single day. You can go on to the New York Times. It's free, if, even if you don't subscribe, because they're putting all of their coronavirus coverage um, online for free. And you'll find a pantry recipe that maybe you didn't think of making. I love that that counts as coronavirus coverage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because it's not just the health stuff. It's like how to survive and not be miserable. That's awesome of the New York Times. Exactly. I mean, we got to eat well, right? It's like that is the thing. That's what we we really need to take care of our bodies. And I just believe that if you are eating food that tastes delicious, it nourishes you better. You know, I mean, whatever. There's no science behind that. That's just how I feel. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because I now find myself almost panicking when I use my pantry staples. Like I'm like... (laughs) What if we now get on like total lockdown and we can't get out again? And I've used the pantry staple before I used the chicken that was in my fridge. Um, so how do you, now that like we all ha- are stocked, 
are you replenishing those staples as you use them or are you like kind of conserving them and trying to focus on what you are able to get fresh? That's a really good question. Um, I have been doing a little of each, you know, I try to, um, if I buy something fresh, I use it for sure. Maybe I'll bulk it out with a pantry staple. Um, I did use up my, I mean, I didn't use up my lentils. So that would really take a long time to use up my lentils. But I, you know, I dug into my lentils and I dug into my rice and I dug into my onions. Um, now I actually have no more onions. So <gasps> that does make me nervous. But, you know, I mean, it's, I have leeks and I have scallions and I have shallots. So I'm going to be fine. And you know what? I'm going to go to the, I've been going grocery shopping once a week out in the, in the world. I go out, I put my gloves on, <laughs> put my, get my, my bags that I go, you know, and I stock up once a week. And so and they've had everything. It's really, ha- I've had to wait online, but it's not like I haven't found, for the most part, I mean, I haven't found everything, but they'll have onions. And if they don't have onions, they'll have more shallots. So, I, you know, the food, luckily, you know, I've been reading a lot. I, it makes me feel better to read about like worse times for some reason. So I'm reading a lot of like World War II literature right now. And I'm like, hey, we've got food. We're fine. We're not being bombed. We're, we're going to be fine if we just stay home and cook delicious things. So. So this is also probably a great time for people to get their kids involved in cooking, um, especially because it's it's going to be a long haul. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I think it does a lot of times falls on the mom. It definitely falls on usually one parent either way to do the cooking. And, you know, I do cook. I cook probably five nights a week usually. Um, and it doesn't seem like as big a deal. But you're right now that it's every day, like knowing that I'm going to, I don't know, there's, there's like a different mentality to it. Um, that feels different. Whereas at the end of my day, I looked forward to cooking because it was actually like my time and sort of creative and a release. But now I'm like, Oh my God, now I'm going to, what am I cooking tonight? And, um, I did, my daughters are seniors in high school. So they're grad, we were going to do this like cooking prep anyways, <laughs> before they left right, for the world. Right. Um, and now it seems like the perfect time, but now I'm more annoyed with anyone in my kitchen <laughs> so, <laughs> with me because I've already been with them all day. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I know what you mean. It's like so, you want your cooking time to be your time. <laughs> yes. Like no one in here with me. Just leave me alone. So how do you start to like, what are some good basic things to get kids introduced? And, you know, I mean, little kids, I think there's always like the baking thing, but maybe when they're older now, like 12 and up. What can they really start doing and what should they be doing so that when they go off to college or in the world, they know how to take care of themselves? I mean, that's, you know, I'm exactly at that point. So I spend, I mean, I still do a lot of baking with my daughter. She's 11 and we bake all the time. In fact, today I've got a, I've got a project in mind for us. And, um, you know, she does the homeschooling thing, the distance learning in the morning. And then in the afternoon on some days we've been baking together, which is like science, right? Because I make her, I make her like do all the fractions. I'm like, okay, so if I need an eighth of a teaspoon and I'm having the recipe, (laughs) she rolls her eyes, you know? Um, so, but in terms of just, you know, real cooking, um, she's now in charge of the salad. So, you know, I guess it's like, I feel like for, for her, because she loves this, she loves salad. She, I've got a kid who loves salad. I'm incredibly lucky. She doesn't eat any cooked vegetables except potatoes, but she does eat salad. So, um, so I think give, put them in charge of the thing that they like to eat, right? Cause then mm. that's the thing that they're going to take with them. So for her, it's salad. Uh, last night we did pizza night. So she was definitely in charge of making her own pizza, which was, I mean, that's easy. Um, I'm trying to get her. You know, I, I mean, I, but you know, at the same time, I, I hear you. Like, I also don't want her cooking with me because I get in my groove and I really like it. I like 
to cook and not have to have the responsibility of teaching someone. So I, I, I think probably, you know, I don't have a plan about it, but I think the way that it sort of rolls out in our house is that, well, she does a salad and that when I'm making something that I think she would like, particularly I'll call her in and I'll say, okay, you know, um, Dahlia, you know, we're going to do the pasta with the garlicky breadcrumbs. So, you know, let's, I want you to be part. Actually, although I haven't showed her that because then I'd have to fess up about the anchovies. But. <laughs> Busted. You have to do that part first. Be like, come on in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's funny because I've made it in front of her. Like she'll be sitting in the kitchen reading her book while I'm cooking and I will have all the ingredients and I'll be making the garlicky breadcrumbs. And so it's there. She just doesn't look up. Is that my fault? Right. It's not my fault. <laughs> I've found that having my kids prep stuff is a great way to get them involved without them actually cooking with me. And trust me, they don't want to cook with me anyway. Um, but like giving them a list of like, okay, I need two onions diced and I need these carrots sliced and they can kind of do it on their own anytime during the day. And then I have less to do when it's time to make dinner. That's been really helpful. Okay. That's amazing. How old are your kids? Oh, they're teenagers. They're okay. uh, a sophomore in high school and a senior, a freshman in college. And Rebecca actually suggested this years ago on this podcast um, when I was complaining about my kids not helping. She's the one who suggested to have them prep. So I would say from the time that my daughter was like 11 or 12, I could leave her a small list of things to prep and she would do it. So that's good for younger kids too. It's a good thing to do while you're at work. Just tell your kids like, have this ready for me so I can cook when I get home. Um, but what you said about having them help with the things that they like to eat is key because last week my son baked bread with me for the first time ever because he loves bread and he was finally like, okay, I'm here. I have some extra time. Let's do this. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That was a big win. Yeah. He'll be a hit when he goes back to college. <laughs> things change. Things change, right? Yep. Um, but speaking of that, I have to say, so I've seen a lot of people on Facebook taking out their instant pot that they bought two years ago and sat in a closet. Finally, they're like, oh, let's, let's, let's <laughs> rev this thing up. <laughs> um, your book, Dinner in an Instant, I have to say, um, and I know you had the follow-up, Comfort in an Instant, which I also have, but I haven't cooked from it as much as Dinner in an Instant because that was the book that truly got me cooking in the instant pot because everything I made before that that I tried from like online bloggers or whatever, it all tasted like mush. Like it was all the same. Mm. Yeah. Everything came out. So like it sort of had a curry. It sort of had a, I don't know. It, like everything was sort of, it's just all the same. And I thought like, this is what it is. It's just a big stew pot or a soup pot. Like I don't understand why people are excited about this. And your cookbook is like everything, every recipe is different. Everything's interesting. It has incredible like layers of flavors. It doesn't um, treat it like a fast, slow cooker. A lot of the recipes just straight, like dump everything in and cook it faster than the slow cooker and it's still mush. Right. And it's not so in an instant. <laughs> right. I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, I tried to use it for what it was good for and um, really find out, well, what, what does the instant pot do well, right? Like, and wh where it's, where are its lapses? And I mean, as I wrote, you know, people, I think the biggest thing with, with when the instant pot first came out is people were trying to cook everything in it. They're like, oh, let's roast a chicken in the Instant Pot. And that's just a terrible <laughs> idea because you're never going to get like a crispy skin. So if you just play to its strengths, then you're going to get good results. And so what I did in the book was find all those strengths and only do recipes that were exactly the sweet spot. So yeah, there are a lot of stewed things, but they, I, you know, they have a ton of flavor because that's how I cook. And there are a lot of soups because that's what it does well. And I didn't try to do things like roast chicken. I didn't try to be... Um, 
complete and inclusive. I tried to actually be very exclusive and just put in the, like the win-wins. So what are the win-wins for those of us who do have an instant pot and have only made Amy's mashed potato recipes <laughs> <laughs> and hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> Um, what are some of like what should people be trying right now i mean it's a great time we're all home exactly you know great opportunity to figure out how it works and and understand the steam and how long it takes to get up to pressure i mean for me that's the hardest part is in the recipes i use it says bring it to pressure but it doesn't tell me how long it's going to take to get there and then i can't gauge the timing of the recipe Okay, so that's a really good point. That is, and everybody's inst- everybody's pressure cooker is a little different. And also, there's so many variables about how it's going to reach pressure. Like, how cold was that stock from the fridge? Or was it room temperature? So right. it's really, I know, it's like um, a lot of people wanted me, you know, I'll get questions about, like, timing. And the timing is hard to get right. Um, it will do it faster, though, than not using an Instant Pot, but not always that much faster. Um, so I wasn't, you know, the only thing that I find you get a really absolutely faster result in is dried beans and braised mm. beets because dried beans and braised beets take upwards of two, you know, upwards of one to three hours traditionally. So they will go faster in the Instant Pot. Um, there's not a, but there's not a scientific way of like, well, how much, you know, how long will it take to reach pressure? So that is the variable. Um, but in terms of what its strengths are, I mean, I think that, it is the I, I don't make beans on the stove anymore. I do not mm-hmm. cook my dried beans any other way except in the instant pot because the pressurized environment just makes them so much more reliably tender. And you don't get that thing where, like, if you're cooking beans half the time, they're sort of some of them are done and some of them aren't, and some of them are mushy and some of them are kind of hard. Like, it cooks them evenly because they're in a pressurized compartment. So beans are amazing and we eat a lot of beans we really like beans and um i know that most people have stocked up on dried beans so this is the time (laughs) to use them and learn how to make them in the instant pot basically the recipe is the same for any kind of bean whether you soak them or not you know depending you can soak them if you can have the cooking time in the instant pot if you soak them but you don't need to soak throw them in cover them by two inches with some kind of liquid water or stock throw in aromatics and a little dash of oil And then you should look it up on a bean chart. You know, there are charts all over the internet of how long to cook the particular bean because you don't want to overcook them and then they'll turn to mush. So just look at, and then, I mean, that's it. You just play, it's so easy and so pretty consistent. Um, One tip I will give for bean cooking is that if you're not sure, like on the timing, better to undercook rather than overcook because you can always add a few more minutes. So, and when once they turn to mush, then you have to make bean soup in your stock. So beans, um, and also braised meats, you know, all those like hard cuts of those tough to cook cuts of meat, like brisket, you know, we're, we're getting ready for Passover. So, you know, get out your instant pot and make a brisket, um, short ribs, um, anything grisly, <laughs> you know, if you have like a good like, beef <laughs> stew meat and it's kind of grisly, throw it in the instant pot. It's going to be nice and soft. Yeah. I will say for anyone listening, you're the Japanese beef curry, I think is the favorite thing my family is in that whole cookbook. Like that is just, when I make that, they're like the happiest people on earth. (laughs) (laughs) And it's good. It's easy too. It's easy and it's so good, but it does, it gets that the meat gets very tender, but it's that the squash at all. I don't know. It's all so good. Yummy together. Um, Do you, when you, I don't know if you have more than one instant pot, like Amy does, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
Do you also do a rice cooker? Because I find that's what I love to make in the Instant Pot too, is all the rice and grains I feel like always come out perfect. Yes. Um, yes. Especially brown rice. Brown rice is so much faster in the Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. That's basically why I bought a small one, because I just wanted an Instant Pot just for making rice yeah. while I was making other stuff in the big one. Yeah, I, I do that a lot, actually. I mean, I have a rice cooker. I don't have two Instant Pots. Um, I have a rice cooker in an Instant Pot, but I love rice in my Instant Pot. So if I'm not using, like if I'm not making the beans in the Instant Pot, if I've made my beans earlier in the day, I'll make my rice in the Instant Pot. But if I need to have them going at the same time, I do have a rice cooker. This is so helpful <laughs> for people to know. All right, let's talk like just really, really quickly about Passover because it is coming up and you guys did, the New York Times put out this great spread um, and you made homemade matzah. And I told you before we came on, I was like, oh, that's like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know why. It, it's just giant cracker, but it seemed so intimidating to me. Um, and I actually hate matzah. I'm like one of those people. I really don't like it, but I was like, Ooh, homemade matzah. Like maybe I could get behind that and it won't be cardboard. Um, so you got to talk to me about how you even decided to make homemade matzah. Okay. Well, first of all, there's a reason you hate matzah. Um, matzah has no salt in it by law, by Jewish law. If it's kosher for Passover matzah, it has no salt. It has, can only be flour and water. Yeah. So if you see like salted matzah or egg and onion matzah, it's not kosher for Passover. It's still, I mean, matzah is also a cultural food. So there's lots of, you know, there's lots of variations on it, but the stuff at the Seder table, you know, especially like if you're, if you're going to, if, if it's, you're observant and you're, you know, and you want to, and you should have kosher for Passover matzah at the Seder table, right? Of course, it's not going to have salt. So eh, you got to put stuff on it to make it taste good. Um, shmora matzah. Have you ever had the shmora matzah? That's the matzah that's cooked by like, you know, it's like extra yeah, special. Round. Yeah, it's this extra special yeah. artisan matzah handmade, and they watch the wheat from like the second they plant it in the ground. It's like rabbi watch. It's super special and super expensive. That has flavor because they do those in wood fired ovens um, at super high heat. So it, or coal fired. I'm not sure, but it, it, they're they're super high heat, and they are. Um, you get a lot of the flavor from the char. So those are better. But homemade matzah is a whole other thing. Homemade matzah is, I mean, it's basically, it is just a giant cracker and I add salt and I add olive oil to mine and it's delicious. It is so good. Um, I, you don't put it on your Seder table, but I, I'm going to make matzo braai with it and I'm going to use it as a cracker and I'm going to eat it, you know, um, I'm going to make it with my daughter too. At, you know, it's like educational, you know, like, Hey, you know, the Israelites had to do this in 18 minutes. Can we do it in 18 minutes? Like it's sort of fun. So homemade matzah is great to make. And it also, and then it tastes so much better than anything you can buy. So those are the reasons to make it. Um, anything with salt on it tastes so much better. <laughs> anything butter. with sea salt. I know. Well, you know, when I eat regular, like when I eat like regular matzah from the box, you know, cause you always have a box left over or whatever. I always put yes. I always I always put salt. Three on boxes. It. Yeah, or three boxes, or I always butter it. Or I buy the egg matzah. I do buy the egg matzah because that at least has a little flavor well, to it. I think it. they put salt. That's on that what I eat too. on the side. Yeah, I think they put yeah. salt on that one in that one. So yeah, and then with butter on that, it's really good. oh my gosh, egg matzah, butter, salt, and an anchovy. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me at anchovy. Right. Just, no, that's so good. It's like salty and briny. Yeah. And, yeah. See, I think I think the ancestors would approve. If they had had time for salt, they would have done it. I think <laughs> like so, too. Just... I absolutely think so. 
and they lived by a salty sea. So like they had some, there was some salt getting in there. Maybe they were dunking. They could have been dunking. You know, we don't know what they dumped. Do we dump matzah in the salt water? I don't know a Jew that's not using salt. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and then when you put the haroset on it, you make the Hillel sandwich. By the time you put the horseradish in the haroset, it's like, then it has some flavor, then it's good. And to tie everything together, I once had to make dessert for somebody during Passover and I was making an Instant Pot cheesecake, and matzah makes an excellent crust. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Oh, Amy. Good to know. <laughs> Look at the non-Jewish girl with her special twist. <laughs> I cook for everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you, Melissa. This was so helpful and informative and fun, and it was so much fun to have you on. We've been wanting to have you on forever. And please come back. I will. When this is will. over. This is, <laughs> it was great to talk to you all. Thank you for having me and stay safe. Wait, okay? We can't let you leave. Wait. We can't let you leave before you talk about your new cookbook. <gasps> oh, wait. <laughs> oh, my God. It's I'm a member of a cookbook club. And it is definitely going to be my recommendation for when we're able to all be in the same room together again, um, because uh, dinner in French looks amazing. And I, I ordered it from Amazon and it's everything is taking longer to get here now, but it looks so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So dinner in French is my latest cookbook. And, you know, it's funny, you know, I've been throw. we were supposed to do a book tour, but obviously everything got canceled. So I haven't Ugh. been talking about it. But it is a cookbook so near and dear to my heart. Um, I spent every summer when I was a kid in France. It was a long, crazy story that's in the book. But we went, my my parents took us, my sister and me, and we exchanged houses back in the 80s before the internet. (laughs) It was a crazy time. And we ate so well. And so the recipes are not classic, like fancy French food. They're very rustic. They're what French people, some of them are what French people actually cook for dinner on a nightly basis. So they're simple. And a lot of them have my spin on them. So it's like Brooklyn meets France. Um, nice. Like I, I, with an omelet, I do you a know, classic French omelet. Instead of cheese in the middle, I put tahini sauce, like garlicky tahini sauce, like what you put on falafel. Mm, and it's so good. Um, I made it souffle, but it's like a spoon bread, like an American spoon bread with cornmeal. And then it has some harissa in it. Um, Instead of making ratatouille the old-fashioned way where you stand over the stove, I put it on a sheet pan, and then I put some chicken on top of it. So it's ratatouille sheet pan chicken. So they're, all, they're French recipes, but they're my recipes. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds amazing. Amy, you have to do book club and then have Melissa come. <laughs> Fun! Um, we, we always invite the local cookbook authors, and so far the timing hasn't worked out, or they're just being nice, and that's how they turn us down. But we will definitely invite you to that one. Thank you. Uh, well, this is awesome. Yeah, no, I have to order the book. See, it's not right that you haven't gotten to do enough press for it. I know. Yeah. Well, so thank you for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, when this is over, when we're all out of quarantine, we will all be looking forward to cooking in French and cooking something other than yeah, our exactly. pasta and our beans. I don't know if anyone's ever going to eat beans again. but <laughs> Or staples. I'm going to go look at all my staples and see what I can make in my instant pot. <laughs> there you nice. go. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much and be safe and healthy and hopefully we'll talk to you on the other side. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? I have not one specific bite, but a huge thank you to all of the late night comedians and other, you know, famous people who are trying to keep us entertained and from going crazy during this because 
I rely on people like Stephen Colbert um, and um, John Oliver and all those people to comment on the craziness and make me laugh about it after a day of watching news because we're my husband and I are news junkies. So we just have the news on all day. And then even though those comedians talk about the news, it's like it's a release. And I was so afraid that they were all just going to go away during this, that they were all just going to go on hiatus. Like Stephen Colbert, I start out, I'm not, I'm usually not up late enough to watch him live. So I usually start my morning, like eating breakfast and watching him. And he had a scheduled hiatus for last week anyway. And I was so afraid that like that was going to be it. Like he wasn't going to come back. But he's back broadcasting from his house. His kids are helping him. John Oliver has has done one episode so far from his house. Um, John Krasinski yeah. just decided to like make himself an internet show. And it's awesome. Like all these people who are still coming into our homes and into our lives. And because it can't be doom and gloom all the time. Like it just it can't. Um, so rather than like hole up in their mansions and just, you like know, David Geffen pretend that <laughs> on his yacht yeah, or on your yacht, um, rather than doing that, you know, they're still trying to entertain us. And I hope they realize how I think they do. They realize how important that is. It's not just like fun and games. It's like a sense of normalcy almost when you can like take that time each day to just relax and laugh at what's going on. So thank you. Amen. All right. Andrea? That's that's good. I've been trying to watch some of those. And, and there's been lots of entertainers, lots of musicians too. Like last yes. night I watched a video of Graham Nash singing Our House from his living room. And it was just the sweetest thing ever. Mm. Just thanking doctors and medical personnel and telling everyone to stay in your house. You know, it was just such a an affirmation of what we're all doing and just kind of like a here let me just cheer you up for a couple of minutes and it totally cheered me up yep yeah so the other thing that's cheering me up is once I realized I couldn't get out to the gym and walking every day just wasn't going to cut it I turned to technology but of course I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money Um, and I've discovered that some of the really awesome online fitness classes are available for free right now. Hmm. For instance, um, I never even looked at Peloton's offerings because I don't have a Peloton bike. But um, Peloton, which by the way, their website is not Peloton, it's one Peloton. um, They have an entire huge library of classes on video on demand of strength training and yoga and cardio and stretching and boot camp having nothing to do with your peloton bike and they're offering a 90 day free trial nice that might be enough to get i signed up (laughs) and i I just thought oh my god (laughs) i hope that's it and you know what when i'm done i may start paying for it because it's well hopefully i'm back at the gym but I have taken so many different kinds of classes. Like I feel like I'm really changing up what I'm doing. One day I did a, a strength training. One day I did a high impact, one of those HIT, H-I-I-T, high impact training, cardio. Um, and you can take a 10-minute class. You can take a 40-minute class. You can filter it based on how much time you have or whether you're a beginner or an intermediate. So I recommend everybody go and sign up for this 90-day free trial. 
I have nothing to do with Peloton. They're just killing it with the classes. And then the other online offerings are from Crunch Fitness, which I've also never been to and taken a class at. Um, and if you go to crunchlive.com, they've, I guess they're a little more optimistic. They've got a 45 day free trial. <laughs> or cheap, depending on how you're looking at it. <laughs> And also, you know, they've got no equipment needed. They've got bar classes. They've got Pilates classes. They've got booty burn. They've got all about abs. So anything you want to try, you could do something different every single day. Um, what I do is I connect my laptop or my iPad with an HDMI cord to the TV in my guest room. So I can see it on a big screen. And I just go in there. But if you have a small space, you can just prop your iPad up somewhere, watch the class and, you know, do it for free and keep moving. Yeah. So at the end of this, we'll all be really good cooks. We'll be in great shape. We'll not have any jobs. And we'll be immune. <laughs> so there'll be some ups and downs. <laughs> great. And we'll have really bad roots. Everyone's going to have terrible roots. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay. So my bite. I guess along with Amy talking about people entertaining us is Dolly Parton announced that she is launching um, a series where she will read books every night. <laughs> Good night with Dolly. Um, it's launching on Thursday, April 2nd at 6 p.m. It's a 10 book video series. Um, it'll be weekly. And these are all books from her Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, which I don't know if people realize this about Dolly, but she sends books to 850,000 children per month. She's amazing. Per month. Yes. She's like my favorite person in the entire world. And I don't even like her music. You don't like her music? Oh, <gasps> Amy. Did you listen to the Dolly Parton America <laughs> podcast? Not yet. All right. I Get will, on I it. promise. Get on it. But I love this because who, first of all, she's like in bed in her pajamas. So like who doesn't want to read, have Dolly Parton read them a bedtime book at night. <laughs> but it also is just helps also um, promote the the wonderful work she does with the Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. I mean, it's kind of incredible. So yeah. everybody, you can watch it on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, everyone's saying they recommend put on your pajamas and get in bed. <laughs> And have Dolly be the last thing that you do at night is have Dolly read you a book. And that is my Aww. bite. And I will be doing that starting on April 2nd. Um, and that is our show for today. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share wherever you are listening to us. There's never a better time to listen and share the podcast. We hope it's Yeah, what else do you have to bring, do? Come I know. On. Hopefully it's bringing people some joy and information and at least a break from their you know routine of the everyday or an escape from their children um, you can find everything we talked about on this show on parentingbites.com and of course on facebook.com slash parenting bites where you can leave us comments let us know what you're talking about let us know how your quarantine is going until next week stay healthy and happy parenting bye bye Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.